This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Hoist the Colors podcast. We are now well more than 24 hours removed from East Carolina's difficult 21 to 20 loss to NC State. It still feels kind of surreal. It feels like ECU should be sitting here with a win. Unfortunately, they are not. And I broke down the game, shared my thoughts uh, last night, uh, shortly after the game. Wanted to get a different opinion. Wanted to really put a bow on this thing before we turn to Old Dominion. So today, we are bringing in Sean. He is also known as Nova Pirates on the Hoist the Colors message board. He's got a coaching background in Northern Virginia, hence the name. And Sean, uh, we, we're now almost uh, we're, we're over a day, almost two days removed uh, from from ECU's difficult to swallow opening loss. Just want to get your general thoughts on it before we kind of diagnose offense, defense, and special teams. Yeah, sure. And thanks for having me, Stephen. I really appreciate it. Um. I think having 24 hours to think about it allows some of the emotions to sort of die down. And um, here are a couple of my thoughts now that we're a a little bit past this game. One, we stacked up uh, very well against State. And if State really is at the number 13 team in the country, um, uh, they, that is ECU, has recruited extremely well. Um, that there really was, if you look across the board, either on offense or defense, you really did not see uh, a huge disparity uh, in skill or size. So I think that's my first sort of takeaway is that we stacked up really well against a, a really good team. And, you know, to hear sort of um, the buildup of the North Carolina state team over the course of the summer and right before the game, they really thought that they had a powerhouse team and look, they're a great team, but I also think they were surprised at the skill level and the size of of East Carolina. So that's the first thing we're in good shape, I think, in terms of players Two, it just feels like so often we're in these positions to go in for the win and something happens. I mean, it is the life of a pirate fan, isn't it, Stephen, that we, we get so close. I, I just um, I've kind of purposely stayed away from the boards. And I'm sure this has been brought up, but this reminded me of the Arkansas game uh, with the Liberty Bowl all those years ago. Um, I, and, I, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that later, or at least some thoughts about what happened, uh, because I, that is not all on the kicker. Um, but it, I, so that's the second one. It's the we always seem to be right on the cusp and then something sort of takes it away. And then third, um, there were a lot of really good takeaways in terms of what was happening with the offensive scheme and defensive scheme. But 
I think if we're looking at some of the overall sort of decision-making from some of the key players on the team, as well as the coaching staff, um, and in particular at the coaching staff, I still think we've got to get more aggressive. I still think that we have to say to our kids when they're on the line, I trust you. And I'm going to trust you so much that I'm going to take a risk here. Uh, and I'm going to do something that's totally out of my character as a coach. I mean, we know that Coach Houston is a very uh, conservative, methodical coach. But the more you trust your players, I believe the more they're going to rise up to the challenge. And when you hold back some, like I think we did in that last drive, I think in some ways what you're saying to the players is um, – I don't think coach was saying, I don't trust you, but I think coach was saying um, we're going to play not to lose. And that's a big difference in saying to your team, I trust you in the spot and we're going to, we're going to take some risks. So I think that's the, the, the third part is we have to continue to be able to be aggressive on, on the coaching side and say to these kids, we're going to go for the win um, and, and we're going to put this in your hands. So that's sort of my overall sort of thought uh, 24 hours or so away from the game. Yeah, you get the the big pass play to Keaton Mitchell, and I think there was around 1.30 left on the clock. And, you know, you could have thrown the ball, and I get it. There's counter arguments. You know, what if you take a sack, get a penalty? But it's, it's like, do you really want to make a, a kicker who just missed an extra point kick a 40-plus yarder? So, you know, I guess we can talk about that one until we're blue in the face, uh, Sean. But, let, hey, let's move on at least to the offense, and we'll start there. And, you know, I want to preface this by reminding folks that, you know, if they don't follow college football or don't pay attention to much outside of East Carolina, this NC State defense is legit. I mean, they returned 10 starters from a defense that uh, averaged 19 points per 19.7 points per game last year. Uh, ECU scored, you know, just over that, should have had more total yardage, not bad considering the opponent, you know, certainly left some plays out there. What did you like, Sean? What What did you not like uh, offensively from what you saw? Yeah, so I had four questions on the offense going into this, Stephen. How was uh, Holton going to respond uh, in a high-pressure situation? How were the receivers going to respond, particularly our new receivers? How were they going to respond to a new system, a new quarterback? Where are we going to be able to get um, uh, our running backs into space and fourth, where we're going to score enough points to beat State. Um, so, um, I oh, and then, sorry, the fifth actually was the new additions to the offensive line. And, and let me start there. I was really, really pleased with, uh, with the new guys. Uh, I thought that uh, Justin Reed, who came in and played uh, tackle, did a phenomenal job of holding his end of the bargain. Um, I watched as he progressed throughout the game. And at first, I think the game speed was a, a bit much for him. But by the time he gets to the second quarter, he's in a nice rhythm. Um, and he has some really nice pass blocking skills. So I, I loved watching him play um i thought uh that our uh that uh the kid from west virginia held his own i mean you would expect for him to hold it hold his own and it looks like they switched him around to different positions on the line to different guard positions um so i think in particular those two and i wanted to see how isaiah foot was going to hold up in his new guard position and i thought all three of those players did a really nice job in pass protection um i think we've got some work to do in the run game um but 
um, and we'll talk a little bit that, about that later if you want, just in terms of what happened with the run. But I really like the new additions on the offensive line. Yeah, you know, when you look at the run game, we knew it was going to be difficult. I mean, NC State, they they erased the run. Uh, they have such good linebacker play. And I, I feel like we saw that early in the game. There was a clear game plan, you know, really to be aggressive. They threw the ball a lot early. I think there was only one running back design run through the first two drives. So they did come out being aggressive. And, and do you feel like uh, that was the right game plan against an NC State defense that, you know, clearly stopped the run pretty good. Oh, they did. And I think putting it in uh, Holton's arm was, was the right thing to do. Uh, I would have liked to have seen a little more creativity in the, in the run game. Um, I think there were times where I was texting you saying, Let, let's, you know, let's get uh, Keaton on the outside. Let's get him on the edge. Uh, let, let's do something. Let's run counter. Let's, Let's move away from just the inside uh, zone. But uh, for the most part, I, I think uh, opening it up with the, with the pass was, was and, and really sort of staying with the passing game probably was the best strategy here. Look, I was surprised at the uh, at the corner play of state. Uh, I expected them to press more than they did. I was surprised that they played so much zone, and I was surprised at how far off they kept their corners. I mean, there were a lot of times when they were in 10-step uh, drops. And that, again, um, I, I sort of uh, – that's a head-scratcher for me on the state part because we do have uh, two new uh, receivers – um, we know that Holton has struggled in man coverage. So that really worked out well for us because I think when Holton gets hot, he's really good against the zone. Um, so, yeah, I think overall the game plan was pretty good. Um, I, I would have liked for them to, though, have gotten our backs, particular Keaton, um, in space more. So looking at the snap counts, Rajay Harris ended up playing 42 snaps. Keaton Mitchell played 28. And you know, I guess on the surface, that's a bit of a head scratcher, but then you look at it and I, you dive further through the numbers. Rajay absolutely cleaned up and passed pro, which was crucial in this game. We should say that. I mean, with as much as ECU was throwing the football, they had to protect Holton. They did no sacks, limited pressure. So that played a role. But still, you know, how do you get Keaton Mitchell more involved or was it just a matter of NC State taking him away? I don't think they took him away. I, I, I really don't. I mean, the there were times, I mean, there was a, there was the one flare pass um, that uh, Keaton was stopped uh, right near our goal line, I, I, which I thought was, uh, I think they should have reviewed that. That looked like that was a targeting play. But if you look at towards the, when he had that long, um, uh, that, that sort of uh, hot read, I think it with a minute 40 to go in the game, those plays were open, I think, quite a bit. Their backers were really aggressive. Uh, a lot of times they were hitting, uh, uh, a gap zone uh, blitzes and that that was actually open and uh, putting him in the slot I think would have allowed him to be one-on-one -on -one with a backer look you're not going to cover him with a linebacker and he's got pretty good hands and and that was one where I thought you know I, Keaton is a once in every 20 years back and and the type of speed that he has I, again I, it's I think what they're saying, he's now one of the fastest, if not the fastest running back in college football. That's the piece here that uh, really is 
for me, the most frustrating part of this is um, we've got to get this guy in space. And, and you saw what happened when he was in the open at state. He was running by state players. And so I think we could have done more with that. And I think we're going to have to do more with that if we're going to continue winning. But yeah, overall, man. not yeah. bad. I just don't think you can get the ball to him enough. I mean, I get you want to keep him healthy, but, you know, he needs to touch at minimum, you know, t- close to 20 times a game. And um, I don't know what his actual touch count ended up being. Maybe it ended up being more than that, but or uh, less than that. But either way, um, let's, let's touch on the, the quarterback play. You know, I, I thought from a decision-making standpoint, Sean, Holt Naylor's actually played a good game. He just had two throws that really got away from him, and I'm sure he made a, a decision or two that he wants to have back. But, you know, what did you think of Holton's play uh, overall against a, a tough state defense? Yeah, I thought the the first pass with the interception, I had this sort of lump in my throat and thinking it, it's going to be one of these games. But you have to credit him for really uh, holding it together and then really um, – I think he I think he thrives in zone uh, and I think he really began to sort of see the holes in the zone. One of the things I said about his play that really I thought needed to get better was for him to throw to windows, not to throw directly to a a wide open receiver, because at this level, it's not going to happen, particularly against really good competition. And I thought for the most part, he did a much better job with in this game of looking for windows and leading players. He seemed apart from those two interceptions, he seemed as uh, in command as I've seen him uh, in, in a long time, you know, that other interception where he overthrows, I think it was CJ, you know, I'm sure he'd love to have that one back. And I, and look, he should have made that throw and that could have maybe changed the complexity of the game, but could have, should have, would have, uh, beyond that, though, once we got into kind of clutch play, you could almost sort of tell that he wanted the ball. And that's something that we haven't always seen from him. I think we saw that early in his career. He seemed to lose some confidence about midway. But this year, he seems to he seems to be really rooted uh, into his play. So I'm just looking at the stats um, I think he had 267 yards in, in passing. So overall, not a uh, not a bad game. And he was 25 for for 41, 6.5 yards uh, um, a pass. So not bad, not bad against a really really good state team, Steve. Yeah, and you know, with very little running game helping him out, and also some drops. So I mean, certainly he wants those throws back, but. You know, you ask a guy to throw it 40 times a game, he's bound to make a, a bad throw or two. It's just part of it. So, and 40 times is a, is a lot of throws, Stephen. It's a lot of throws. Yeah, there's no doubt. Well, you know, before we transition to defense, I want to say, again, we talked about NC State earlier. Like, I feel like offensively, certainly there were things they left out there. But given the unknown at receiver, I thought we saw some promising things from Winstead. We saw C.J. Johnson show that he can be that guy again. You know, for me, like there was enough promising things on offense that if it all comes together, they can be pretty special. So what are you really going to be looking at these next few weeks against what should be easier competition, at least defensively, for this offense to go against? Yeah, so, you know, we have some weapons. We have some legit weapons. I mean, you look at Ryan, you look at Calhoun, um, and you look at, uh, you know, uh, just really quickly about – 
uh, some of the receivers, especially early on, um, Winstead looked a little nervous um, early on and he had some drops and I don't, A, I don't know if he's played in front of a crowd this big before. I don't know if he's played sort of, uh, with that type of competition and he got hit pretty hard early on. And I wasn't sure if he was going to fold. I really wasn't. Um, and I thought he made a really nice comeback and really showed what a dominant receiver he can be. Um, I thought Johnson did a great job. Both Johnsons did a really good job. So we've got some, we've got some really nice targets. And then if we, you know, getting Keaton in um, and then Rajay, I thought our, I thought that our skill players were as good, if not better than state's players. And that surprised me. It, it, we were at the very least on par with them and you've got to give it to coach Houston for the recruiting that he's done here. And I think that was a bit of a surprise to me. So I'm looking for how does Donnie Kirkpatrick uh, get all of these guys involved and how does he use um, this really special running back uh, in clutch plays uh, to really sort of blow the thing up. So um, I, I'm, I, I feel really good about the skill position. Um, but the question is, are, can, can our OC have enough creativity and go against what often seems a very conservative approach to the offense? Um, can he open up the playbook? Uh, and I, I hope that he does. Yeah, we'll see starting next week against Old Dominion. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We'll move to the defensive side of the ball as we continue with Sean in our NC State breakdown. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. All right, welcome back into the Hoist the Colors podcast. We've got Nova Pirates, also known as Sean. He's been on the podcast before. This is his second time on the Hoist the Colors podcast. And Sean, uh, it's always good to have a, a different perspective, at least, you know, that knows football from from my point of view, that knows more about the game X and O's wise than, than me. But, you know, I love diagnosing it, diving into it from every different way. So always good to have a different perspective on the NC State game, which, are, which we're recapping. Let's talk defense now. And I tell you what, man, that uh, it, there was a lot of electric moments inside Dowdy Fickon Stadium from this defense on on Saturday. Uh, let's start with the goal line stand in particular, just because I feel like it, you know Mike Houston said it best after the game. That could have been an iconic moment in ECU football history if, if the Pirates win the game. You know how much did you like the toughness, the grit there to to come up with two straight goal line stands to keep the game uh, within a score? You know, Stephen, how often have we seen that at East Carolina? 
Um, never. I've never seen Eddie's girl. I've never seen uh, two in a row like that. And it and and they weren't flukes. They were dominant, um, ag- aggressive. Uh, my will. I'm going to impose my will on you right now. And look, those offensive, those state offense, that state offensive line is a good one. I, I will say this, and I, I did think we were going to win, and I and I changed my mind at, at the last minute because if you look at some of the, ta- I, I went back and looked at some of the offensive, uh, some of the tape from North Carolina State last year. What you see with this offensive line is, is that as the game progresses, when they go against a good D line, they tended to get tired and they tended to get sloppy. And I thought, okay, maybe with the amount of people that we have rotating, we might have a chance here. And, you know, that, that was just a total team play. Our linebackers hit the gaps they were supposed to hit. Our uh, defensive end sealed the the gap, the seal, the ends like they were supposed to. Um, everybody hit their um, uh, their right gaps and and they did it consistently. Uh, the safeties were in people's faces. It was aggressive play. And, and I absolutely loved it. I, I did. And, you know, one of the things I was sort of making notes of was our defensive line. And if you look at this defensive line, we've got some really good players and we've got some really Really good depth also from where and um, Johnson McIver. Uh, I, I love the freshman play of JD. Um, we just, um, we have a lot of really good rotation there. And, and I don't think we've ever been this deep on that defensive line. I was so uh, sad to see Robinson go down because he was really starting to uh, come into his own in that game. He was, uh, there were times when he was really dominant. Uh, and they were having the the tackle was having a really hard time uh, sort of containing him. And I, I hope he's going to be OK because he really can be a really, really special player. But if you look up and down that defensive line, we really don't lose a lot when the rotation uh, starts. And look, in a, uh, I know that Blake loves to be multiples, but one of the things also that these guys can do is that we're in it when we're in a three down lineman, you typically, when you're in three down lineman, what you ask your defensive lineman to do is to play two gaps. And uh, from what I've seen all, you know, our rotation can play two gap ball and that's unusual. Usually you, you might have one guy, two guy that can handle two gaps. I didn't see a big drop off. And then of course, when you go to a four set, you've just got one, uh, one gap. I think, you know, we've got to get a little better production out of our linebacking core. I, I thought for the most part, they played pretty good assignment ball. Um, and I really love the, the leadership there uh, with Miles. And um, I thought Xavier Smith uh, had his moments and uh, all very aggressive. I think our two leading tacklers were our safeties, which is not that unusual. Um, I love the, the play of Tegan. Uh, he was all over the field. Um, and our corners, I think that was the other big question I had. But uh, I think for the most part, they did a pretty good job. 
Um, Powell got beat a couple times over the middle. Um, uh, but once he got beat, he was right there um, to, to make the tackle. That first score that State makes um, it was just unfortunate. We had a blitz. Um, we had a corner blitz coming in. Uh, and it just left a one-on-one with the, the safety, and the safety took, took the wrong angle on that slant. Um, but that's going to happen. Look, to hold this state team to 21 points, that's phenomenal. This yeah. is a really good defense. And 14 really scored on the defense, given the pump block. So, I mean, it, you know, obviously you get the goal line stands, which helps you even more. But, I mean, it was a – you would have told me that you hold NC State to 21, the defense holds them to 14. I would say ECU wins the game. I mean, it was a it was a really good effort. And, um, you know, going back to the goal line stand, I looked at a replay today. Jeremy Lewis actually called out before the play, hey, they're going to run the ball right here. And him and Elijah Morris, two veterans, hit the gap, blew up the guard, and that allowed Julius Wood to come free. So that just shows, you know, experience – being on the same page, how much that really can help you out in the long run. Oh, and, and Wood is a tremendous athlete. Um, he, he has been both, I mean, our out, we have a really good outside linebacking core and Wood was all over the field and can make some, um, some make some really good plays. So um, I didn't see that, but that makes me feel even better. Um, it, yeah. But also what you, I, that doesn't happen without a coach, a coach empowering his players. Um, and, and to me, um, our, our DC is a, is a special coach. Uh, he, he really is. I hope we're able to, to, to keep him, but if you've got players calling out like that, then, uh, they've been well coached, Stephen. There's no doubt. Blake Carroll, I think it is definitely a star on this coaching staff and a really good one considering how far they've come since he took the job. Uh, you mentioned the corner play. I want to mention Jamel Hickman. We talked about him all off season and first series of the game. We knew they were going to take a shot at him. Third and long, they take a shot. He's step for step with the receiver. I think Pro Football Focus said he only gave up one reception for 14 yards on three or four targets. Uh, tackled well. Malik Fleming gave up one catch for five yards on six targets. He drew also a pass interference call. You mentioned Jawan Powell. He did allow a few catches, but like you said, he was right there. It's not like he was just busting or leaving guys wide open. So I thought the corners, man, like to me, were, were was a, a bright spot of the defense overall. Oh, and I think that I think that's a, that took state out of their game. I, I did. I, I do think that they expected to be able to throw and to throw well, and 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 they weren't. And the other thing about our corners is the speed. Um, that was the thing that really also caught my eye was the speed that they have, and and that's just God given. Um, but they were often in position. You know, so much about that defensive back position is about taking the right angle. Um, and so often our DBs were in the right position to make the, to, to make the tackle, or you saw a lot of breakups, right? There were a lot of sort of arms going in at the, at the last moment that's angle ball. And that is coached and that's very well coached. And, um, I really think that that took state out of their game. Some, I really do. I, I, I really think, and I think it's very difficult when you have a really good team not to sort of even overhype yourself. And I think State came in a little overconfident and, and were surprised at, at the skill that our players had. Any negatives on the defensive side of the ball? I'll, I'll, I'll hit one, and then I'll toss it to you just for me. Um, tackling at times was a little questionable. I want to say they missed 
Uh, PFF had about 14 or 15 missed tackles. And then third and long, they gave up a couple conversions. Still did really good. I think it was four of 13 overall on third downs. But I think all four of those were like third and 10 plus. Like they have a few third and 16s. Just any negatives on the defense side of the ball? Yeah, I, that, that last run with that run by Cornby, I, I think that's his last name. I don't even know. How, it's like Carn, think, Carn Bay or something. Yeah, I don't know. He's good, though. Yours is probably better than your pronunciation. is probably better than yeah. mine. That, like, when he um, – there were so many arm tackles. And um, with a back like that, you absolutely have to get low. And, and it's just such basic football. This is the first game. I expect to see that uh, improve. But that that was a disappointment. Um, and and I think, again, if there is a, a weak spot on the team right now, I think it's um, it's the linebacker play. And I don't mean that we're in serious trouble. It's a really good defense. And so if you're asking me to find a place where we need to to show some improvement and I and I think for the most part, when I looked at some of the replay what I saw, and this can be corrected, was linebackers out of their positions or linebackers making the wrong read and ending up in the wrong, um, you know, in the wrong hole or, or, you know, being blown off the line by, uh, by alignment, but, um, and taking the wrong angle. Um, but that, that can be corrected. Um, besides that, you know, our safety play was really good corner play was really good and, and D line. Uh, this is going to be a hard defense uh, uh, to, to beat um, particularly in the AAC. Yeah. Hopefully they can stay healthy and luckily there is depth. You know, I think Josiah Robinson, unfortunately is going to miss a while from what I'm hearing. Uh, Deontay Johnson also went down and I don't think that one is as serious, but he played a really good game at nose tackle. So uh, hopefully he can be back soon and, um, I think they got a shot to be pretty. I think they played eleven guys, Sean, up front, um, which, which compared to twenty nineteen, uh, quite quite a ways uh, we've come. Oh gosh, you know Deontay and McIver really plugged that uh, that middle, um, and both can play two gap ball, and mm. that's um, that that bodes well for us. All right, Sean, we got to talk special teams before we get out of here. Unfortunately, it's the the phase that that really cost ECU the game. Uh, I, I've been out to practice a ton. It's not like ECU doesn't work on it, man. I mean, they do as much special teams as any coach I've ever covered. They put a, the whole staff is involved with it. It's just been a problem, and it was a problem again on Saturday. Obviously, the Owen Daffer stuff. You know, we don't even have to rehash that. We kind of know what happened there, but. Uh, the punt, you just can't have a punt block against a 13 team in the country for a touchdown and expect to win. It was just not a good day on special teams. No, and if you have a chance to go back and look at the tape on that, which I did, you're going to be sick by some of the blocking on the line. You know, the at some point when the punt happens, you have to release and make your way down and stay in your lane. It's just sort of football one-on-one. But you're going to see, and I don't want to call out anybody, but there is one particular player that like barely makes a block. And, and I don't know if it, if he was just not interested, I don't know if he was confused, but if you go back and look, it'll become pretty obvious that this was a blocking issue. It really was. It was a blocking issue. I don't like 
the the shift punt that far down in our end zone. I, I don't I understand why you want to to move with that, right? You get a better punt and you get maybe more accuracy, but that far down, just punt the ball. But if you go back, Stephen, or if anybody goes back and you look at that, you, what you're going to find is that uh, more than anything else, it was just poor blocking, just poor blocking. No yeah. excuse. No excuse. Yeah, and you just – I mean, it, I honestly, when it happened, I thought the game was about to become a blowout. And I uh, it's just – you know, kudos to the guys for rebounding after that. But in the end, you, you you can't make that mistake. You can't make it against anybody, let alone the arguably the toughest team on your schedule. Um, what did you think about the return units, you know, coverage-wise, return? We didn't really see Keaton get into too much space, but, you know, I thought NC State did a good job covering him up. And then, you know, the coverage units I thought were okay, nothing special. Just your thoughts there? Yeah, I, I think, you know, again, this is just football one-on-one. You stay in your lane, uh, you get to, you know, you stay in your lane, then you get to your assignment. And for the most part, we did a decent job. I will say, though, that I did hold my breath after that anytime we had special teams. And there was just something in the water on Saturday that just from our kicking to our punting, I, I, I thought that our punt coverage was okay. I, I don't have any stats in terms of what the net yardage was but I thought state did a better job uh, on, on coverage than, than we do, you know, and um, I was just say one thing about the, that punt block. I, I felt the same way. I thought that was the end of the game, but you really have to give, I think um, coach Houston credit for the guys that he has recruited here. These are kids that have really taken on his personality and, um, he strikes me as someone who's not going to give up. He strikes me as someone who is going to hold on until he can no longer hold on. And, and he's really instilled that into kids. And one of the interesting things about coaching or any leadership is once you've been in a place for three to four years, the program really takes on your personality. And, and, and the fighting back is something that has become part of the, the culture of this, of this team. And it talk about a turnaround from when he first got here, because that wasn't the culture of the team, and which was uncharacteristic of, of an ECU team, right? We went through four or five years of the team giving up quite easy. And it's nice to see that back. Uh, but I, I, I'll give Coach Houston credit for that. A lot of credit. He's a good coach. He's a great coach. There's no doubt. All you have to do is compare the the first game against NC State where the guys were to now, and it's night and day. Um, before we move on to the, the the kicking situation, I want to mention one big positive for me was Malik Fleming on punt returns. I thought he did a really good job getting positive yardage. He didn't blow us away, but I just thought he did a good job of making the first guy miss, getting upfield caught the ball well um you know cj came in after he got a little banged up but then malik came back on the final punt and got some more positive yardage so uh, i thought he was, i thought he did a solid job yeah I, I i did too and i wasn't expecting that i, I really wasn't but i i, I thought he, he's a really good runner and uh with really good vision and 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 you know at the end of the game or towards the end of the game that that really helped us yeah there's no doubt and he was a really good punt returner in high school, so I think he still has got some uh, some confidence from that. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, we've got to talk about the Owen Daffer situation, and, and you know, I hit on it. Um, obviously, if, if anybody's still taking personal shots at him, I think you're a pretty weak human being, but 
you know, the guy just missed a couple of kicks. Anything you noticed that, that went wrong or can you diagnose anything? Yeah, there? And I think this is part of what that last series to me was. Um, I, and I do think that's about coaching and it's about the decision making of, of, um, of, of both coach Houston and Donnie. I, I think, you know, I'll give coach Houston tons of credit for lots of things. I think in that area though. So in the time that I've worked with kickers, you know, kickers don't like angles. And if you can avoid an angle, avoid it because often the ball can sort of naturally hit a right curve or, or curve at, at the end. And um, one of the things that confused me was there seemed to be no sort of strategy to move the ball towards the middle or, or, or away from the left hash. And um, I would have liked to have seen that. I, I would have liked for uh, someone to say, hey, let's, let's make sure that we're lining this up so we put him in a good position. One of the things I wish would have happened at the end with um, uh, Coach Houston's um, conference is, and, and he, he did support him, but he also said he needs to make those, those kicks. I wish he also would have said, we don't need to make two interceptions. Um, the offensive line needs to do a better job blocking. Um, we can't give up. I mean, Stafford's in that situation because there's a whole series of things that have gone wrong to that moment. And I think anytime you have that much pressure on a young man, there's a lot of other things that have failed um, before you get there. So I, I kind of wish there would have been some conversation about, hey, this is also on on all of us. Um, and maybe there was later, I just didn't hear it. Um, but um, look, he's going to win games for us. I, it, being a kicker is hard. And um, uh, I still think he's going to win some games for us. There's no doubt. And I think he's going to have to bounce back for ECU to have the season that wants to have. Uh, kudos to Holt Naylor's. He did say, you know, if you want to blame somebody, blame me. I threw two interceptions. I missed some throws. So, uh, you know, he's never wanted to shy away from taking the blame, you know, which is a, a great leadership thing to do. Um, uh, but, but yeah, Sean, I mean, as we wrap up the show, got a, a few minutes left. Just, um, I, I still think this team can be really good, man. I mean, I think I don't want to say like eight, nine wins. I don't want to put a, a win total on it, but if they play defense like they did, if they come together on offense and they improve special teams, this can be a really good year. Oh, it, it is. And again, we've got the weapons for this. I was really surprised, not not surprised, but pleasantly surprised to see that our wide receivers by the second half both Johnson and Winstead, once they sort of got into the flow of the game, became legitimate targets for um, for Holt. And it wasn't just CJ. Um, again, Ryan was there. We had Calhoun make that really nice catch in the end zone. If we can get um, our running backs into the game and if we can get Keaton into space, um, we're going to be a hard team to beat uh, every Saturday. We really are. Um, uh, I really like the energy that uh, Holton is bringing to the game right now. I like his confidence. Um, I like his ability to bounce back. And I love our depth. You know, you win championships on depth and you win championships on defense. And so we've got the defense. We've got the, the depth. I don't want to talk about championships because that's a long way away. But we've got some really nice tools in place. And we should have won the game. Um, I rarely say that. But that game, I think, I, I, I think we should have won it. NC State feels the same way. I can I can promise you that they they feel lucky to get out of town with a win. 
Well, Sean, it's been fun, man, uh, taking a final look at this NC State game. And unfortunately, not a win, but uh, still a lot to build off of. So we appreciate your time today. Sure, of course. Thanks, Stephen. That is Sean, and I am Stephen Igo. That'll do it for the Hoist the Colors podcast. We'll be back with you later this week when we dive into the Old Dominion Monarchs ahead of the Pirates' second game of the season. Thanks for listening. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.